0: Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's fizz radio.
1: All right, the moment we've all been waiting for. Double header day. That's right. Football at 3.30, basketball at 7.00. And we're breaking down both of them. Jonathan Hoppy here with Gil Gross on Fizz Radio. So glad to have you with us on this Saturday morning. Basketball is hosting Damon tonight, the first game of their exhibition season. And football, as we know, on the road against Florida State. We'll be talking about both of them throughout the show, so we do appreciate you tuning in. Gil, we got to start with football, a team that has been so disappointing, now 3-4 and four on the season. Do you give them any shot today against Florida State?
0: Well, I think that there's one major X factor with the Florida State game, and that is they haven't been able to protect the quarterback. Syracuse has given up the most sacks out of any team in the country. At this point, if 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 you're an Orange fan, you know that. But Florida State is a lot worse at rushing the passer than the three ACC teams that Syracuse played. And this is something to think about, and again, it's something to take solace in. Pittsburgh, Clemson, and NC State are all top 10 teams in the country in sacks.
1: You mentioned Syracuse being the worst team in terms of protecting the quarterback. Well, they've given up 35 sacks now through seven games. So I'll ask you a bit of a trivia question, and please play along at home. How many sacks do you think the best team, in terms of protecting the quarterback, has given up all season? If SU's at 35... What's that number at the top?
0: Uh, I got to think that there's probably a team out there that's only given up maybe two, three sacks.
1: There are. There are a number of teams, and one of them's in the ACC. We'll see them next week. Boston College has given up three sacks this entire season. Anthony Brown is out (laughs) for the year. They're on to a backup quarterback. And Steve Adazio's club has given up three sacks for the entire season. Just let that one sit for a second three compared to 35. Now, I do want to go back a little bit before we move forward and continue to talk about this Florida State game. Jonathan Hoppe here with Gil Gross on Fizz Radio. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz. We'll have coverage from Tallahassee later today. We'll also have all your written content at OrangeFizz.net. Don't forget to sign up for the podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, just search OrangeFizz. Fizz. Please rate, review, and subscribe. So, Gil, before the season, we talked about the offensive line being such a problem. Such the key, really, is what I should say. That's what Dino Babers told us. Yep. He said that at ACC kickoff. We were there, Tim Leonard and I reporting on it. Somehow, we didn't take the bait, and we still said 10 wins. How did we not see this coming?
0: We knew that the offensive line was going to be a weakness in this football team, and in fact— I ranked the position groups on orangefizz.net before the season. And the O-line, it was last. So you're right. We just didn't know that it would be so atrociously and historically bad that it would stilt any progress that was possible for this team to make. And you, you can't really blame us for that because we see teams that have holes and weaknesses overcome them with other strong points all the time. But I will say this. There is nothing more undervalued in football, except by football people. I think coaches understand how important the offensive line is, but I think the average fan probably does not.
1: Offensive line, to me, is the most underappreciated position in all four major sports. It just is.
0: Probably. Uh, Jonathan, let me ask you this. The most important position is the quarterback, right? What's the second most important position?
1: It's got to be the offensive line, and that might seem like a little bias towards the offense, but think about it, right? If you can't move the football, if you can't protect the quarterback, you can't do anything because the key to a good defense is an offense that keeps them off the field and supports them, gives them some momentum, and then the defense steps up. So for me, that's the biggest problem for this team is they can never
0: get any momentum going, none at all. The run game is something that's also probably been underlooked, but you gotta blame that on the O line. Moneil showed us last year he can run. He showed us all he can run. He averaged about four and a half yards per carry last year. And he's down to about three and a half. So you got to you got to shine the microscope on the offensive line, not when it just not just when it comes to the sacks, but also on the run game that's been non-existent.
1: How about this? A little trivia as we continue along here on Fizz Radio. Cam Akers has nearly 800 yards rushing this season. Nearly 800 yards. Did you know that he has more yards on the ground than Neal, Abdul Adams, and Jarvion <laughs> Howard combined? By a pretty significant margin. If you go online and look at it, you don't even need to break out the calculator. You can look at the totals of the Syracuse backs with Cam Akers and know that Akers has more yards.
0: Which is a huge problem for the tempo offense and, and and how they like to gain their forward momentum, get the defensive linemen on the other team tired so that they can really establish their, their run game and their pass game.
1: Let's dive into this game a little bit further now. It's Dino Babers versus Willie Taggart, who last year were two coaches on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum while Dino Babers has maybe dropped down a little bit in terms of getting that next big job, Willie Taggart could get fired after this game. I was listening to something that Florida State people put together, and they're not giving much respect to Syracuse, as you'd expect. A winless team in the conference, the only winless team, and it's still Syracuse, which in the past decade does not have great branding in terms of football. They said if Taggart loses to Florida State or to Syracuse, You might can him. You really might. And that could happen because this is a guy who took over a program from Jimbo Fisher. My thing is, I think this would have happened to anyone. It was a ticking time bomb. Really, Taggart checks all the boxes, but the players that he has right now, it's just not working. You can recruit four and five stars, but if they don't come together and play as a team, you're going to struggle. That's where Florida State is right now. I'm not sure a new coach would change this problem, especially right away.
0: But I feel like you just contradicted yourself a bit because you mentioned the four and five stars. Florida State is a is in a hotbed for talent. They have such an advantage, just like, you know, they're competing with Miami and Florida. These are all good football teams. Even UCF is a really Do good. Do they football have an advantage, program. though? Yes. Any all of if you're a major Florida school, you're in a good spot.
1: Well, clearly they've fallen behind in terms of facilities. It just feels like Miami a,
0: fell behind.
1: It feels like they're a step behind, much like Miami. But it sure. felt like
0: they were a step ahead just five years ago. I feel like the common denominator is Willie Taggart.
1: Well, it starts with this. He doesn't have a quarterback. So, he doesn't have a quarterback. What can you really expect? If you look across college football, any team that's worth anything has a solid quarterback. And any team that's a competitor to win the college football playoff has a really good quarterback. So to me, it starts there. I mean, Alex Hornybrook, he's not the answer. We saw him play before at Wisconsin. He was no good. He's now no good at Florida State. And Blackman is back under center after being benched. Oh, and DeAndre Francois is playing juco ball somewhere after he transferred out. Just seems like there's something in the water there that Jimbo Fisher left and this program was in a bad shape to take... I mean, the offensive line for them last year was like... Terrible. ...hours this year.
0: Yeah. How and about this, though? it's gotten
1: better, and Cam Akers is on pace for a career year, and he's a great weapon, and they've got good receivers. But you could say the same things about Syracuse.
0: FSU was the most undisciplined team in the country last year. No one took more penalties than Florida State. Is that not on the coach?
1: Certainly is, but I think you also... I'm not sitting here trying to defend Willie Taggart. I think he should and will get fired at the end of this season or maybe during this season. But you've got to consider the guys you have in your locker room. And now, B- Dino Babers said this during the week. He didn't specifically address the Taggart situation. But you got to go out and recruit, and you've got to find guys that are going to work in your system. You can't just find talent. You know, you've got to find somebody that's going to work hard, who's going to be a good piece to your locker room because you try to build that culture. And if you want to talk about Willie Taggart, a lot of these guys he's coaching right now he did not recruit, and it's just sort of a mucky situation. Will they fire him? Yes. But do you really believe that bringing in a coach like Matt Rule from Baylor or someone else who I don't even know if he'd take that job, the waters are so muddied right now, do you really believe that that next great coach, so to speak, can come in and solve this problem?
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a difficult job. I think. I think again, you're in a great spot for recruiting. You have a lot of funding, a lot of momentum behind your. Well, not momentum behind your program, but you have the potential to build a lot of momentum behind your program. And I think any any coach that does a decent job with Florida State is going to win ACC titles.
1: Here's another thing in defense of Taggart. What propels teams, if you think about Lovey Smith with Illinois beating Wisconsin, what propels teams when their coach is on the hot seat, so to speak? A win over a big program. Well, in the ACC, Florida State doesn't get that chance. You get it once a year, and they've been clapped by Clemson annually. So there's another problem when you're beating up on ACC teams and you do it occasionally and then you get beat up by them you're just falling into the pack of this awful ACC right now and so you don't get a chance winning cures everything but when you're beating Georgia Tech does that really cure a lot and this year Syracuse who hasn't won a conference game I mean if they win the game on Saturday big whoop
0: I agree they better
1: win they're favored by 10 points at least from their perspective
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely a tough position. It's it's a tough position to be in when you're in the ACC. It's going to be about consistency. You're not going to get big flashy wins. You're going to get one shot at it a year. As you said, you're going to get well, some teams are going to get the Clemson game. But other than that, you just need to put together a resume like Wake Forest is putting together right now, where, well, they don't have a bad loss.
1: Okay, thanks for joining us here on Fizz Radio. When we come back, we're going to continue this SU football conversation, but more big picture. And we talk about paying athletes, the California law we've all seen. We're going to translate that into SU right here in Syracuse. We're going to talk about the top five jerseys that would be selling if that were such a thing. Much like you see in the NBA, what five jerseys from SU football would you buy for your family and friends? That's coming up next here on the Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. We are back on Fizz Radio. Thanks for sticking with us here on the Score 1260. Jonathan Hoppy with Gil Gross, SU football at Florida State. That a 3:30 game will have coverage for you at OrangeFizz.net from Tallahassee. And also, SU Basketball, home exhibition against D2 Damon tonight. And then another one against Carleton on Tuesday. And that Carleton game's a good story. So keep your eyes out on the exhibition because there is so much to learn. We're breaking down this team in full coming up after our next break. But right now, sticking with football and talking about potential jersey sales, what would happen if you could buy player jerseys and players got a cut, which really isn't that far-fetched considering everything that's happened in the past couple of months. So we're going to give you a top five, and once again, play along with us at home, five top-selling jerseys, really over the past year is kind of how I formatted it. Basically, how many do you think had been distributed in the past year? So we'll start with number one. I think the answer is pretty clear. I think you go with the quarterback. That's the jersey that sells. Tommy DeVito will be here for the next several seasons. To me, Gunslinger Tommy DeVito is your number one selling jersey.
0: We're talking only current eligible players. Correct? correct. I also have Tommy DeVito number one. There's no doubt with the with the hype around him and the fact that he's the quarterback and also that he's his his play style and he's also got a little bit of swagger about him with the way he he kind of looks. Tommy DeVito is the number one selling jersey, no doubt.
1: Right, it's that name recognition. It's it's Tommy DeVito, the four-star recruit. And to be fair, he had a little bit more name recognition before the season started. He has struggled at times this year, and I don't think that helps him in terms of selling jerseys. But I don't think at this point it really hurts him either. He is the clear top-selling jersey, or would be. And we should mention the jersey 44 is always going to be number one. So we're taking that one out.
0: And I don't think, and by the way, I agree with you, there's been a lot of reputational damage with DeVito at the start of this season. Not insurmountable, something that he can easily, quickly turn around and recover from, but at the same time, uh, if you if you compared—let's have another hypothetical. If you compared what his jersey sales would be this year compared to Eric Dungey last year, I think there would be a major deficit there.
1: For sure. Dungey's would have been through the roof last year. The guy really lit the community on fire in the 10-win season, and we're seeing this year that was really thanks in large part to Eric Dungey. Now let's move forward to number two. I think this one's pretty clear-cut. For me, it's Andre Sisko. The flashiest player on the team, outside of Tommy DeVito, the All-American as a freshman, he'll be here for at least two more seasons. Andre Cisco, the best player on an SU defense that's pretty solid, he's number two for me.
0: Also have Andre Cisco with with the season he had last year, tied for the league lead for the for the nation's lead in interceptions, I should say, and. You're right. He's he's young and that helps jersey sales because you want to get the most play out of the out of your purchase. So, Cisco to me also number 2.
1: Let's move forward with number 3. I think this is where we're going to start to disagree. I thought about this one for a while. I kind of leaned back towards the offense. Players that do well offensively, more flashy, have a little bit more pizzazz, along with maybe that elite edge rusher, which maybe we'll get to in a moment. I think Sean Riley is number three and I why are you laughing
0: i'm laughing because i really did think that we were going to differ here and have a different oh okay. player
1: so we both got sean riley i thought i thought you were just straight disrespecting Sean Riley. <laughs> no, no. you know he hasn't had a great season this year but really no receiver has outside of tristan jackson riley is a speed guy he's fun to watch Besides that drop against LSU a couple of years ago, he's really been pretty sure-handed in clutch situations. Riley's number three, and he's been around the block a time or two as well.
0: People love speed. People love the little guy, and Riley is the smallest player. I think both height and weight on the team. Also attractive to little kids. There's a reason why Steph Curry's jersey sells better than Anthony Davis's jersey. There might be more than one, but most people... They like the small guy. They like the skilled guy. They like the fast guy. I agree with you that Riley would be number three, despite the fact that he's definitely not the third best player on the team.
1: Next up for me, Alton Robinson. Is that what you have? Yes. Wow, it's like we sat here and talked about this. We never (laughs) discussed this at all. Who's your number five?
0: My number five, I'm starting to rethink it, but I I put Taj Harris.
1: Okay. That's not what I have.
0: You probably have Tristan. Nope, Mo Neal. I thought about that, but coming into this year, not I think that he was the people's choice at running back over Dante Strickland, but he was still the backup.
1: I was talking with someone earlier who made the argument that Mo Neal should be a top three and possibly even number two. Well, you know, Mo Neal, to me, is a good back. I agree. And this year he's not had a ton of help up front – he said he wanted to be in a 1,000-yard rusher. Well, that's not going to happen. He's, he's not even at 400 right now through seven games. So that's not going to happen. But you can't really blame him. And to me, I don't think Neal gets the respect that he deserves. I don't think he's disrespected in the community, but I think a lot of people looked at him and coupled him with Dante Strickland, two guys who were kind of meh, right? They were just kind of eh.
0: For sure Strickland.
1: For sure, Strickland, last year with an improved O-line, they both played better, but Neal has always sort of been in those shadows and coupled in that same category because SU hasn't had a really solid back in a number of years that has been
0: flashy. And Neal is a home-run hitter. Like He's got a good amount of explosiveness, not not the most you'll see in the entire conference, but Moneal can break one open. But what I really respect about Neal is how he's developed – with the the small things that you need to do as a running back on this team, and he actually was recruited as a wide receiver, started his career at Syracuse as a wide receiver, and when he went to run, when he went to switch to running back, he struggled with a lot of the smaller things. He struggled with calling out blockers. He struggled just with with pass protecting and some of the intricacies there. And at this point in his career, Moniel is not only a good raw runner with good speed and good power, he's also a brain in the backfield.
1: So those are top five jersey sales. Look out for an article coming at orangefizz.net for maybe even more discussion in the next couple of weeks. It's an interesting thing, and we'll have the basketball side of that for you as well as we sort of project what would happen. Gil, before we hit our next break, how about a prediction? Florida State, Syracuse— I'm going to say this one is more high-scoring. I've been kind of waiting for that to happen. I'll go 38-24, Florida State gets the win by two touchdowns.
0: I'm actually thinking that Syracuse is going to win this by one. I have it a wow. little bit lower scoring, but I'm going to go with 32-31, Syracuse wins, and I think the big difference here is is, first of all, Florida State's is also struggling at the quarterback position. There's also uncertainty there. They don't block well. I think this is going to be another game where the Syracuse pass rush is actually going to be the story. I think that it's going to be the they're going to be kind of billed as the heroes of what would be an upset victory if it happens. And on the other side of the ball, I actually think that we're going to get some some comfort and some time uh, because the Florida State front seven is not going to pressure Syracuse like they've been pressured. So I expect better run game, and I also expect that the quarterback, whether it be Tommy DeVito or Clayton Welsh, is going to be kind of more comfortable in the pocket.
1: Wow. That is putting a lot of faith in a Syracuse team that might be starting Clayton Welch at quarterback and might play more snaps than Tommy DeVito. That's putting a lot of faith in this team in general, no matter who it is. Under center, But you can get my prediction once again and Gills online, orangefizz.net. We'll have our crystal ball with the rest of the staff. Also, comment, let us know what you think. Florida State, Syracuse, 3-30 today. Orange still without a conference win. When we come back, Orange hoops. We talk about SU basketball, Jim Boeheim's 44th season. All you need to know to get ready for game number one of the exhibition season later tonight. This is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. We are rolling along here on The Score 1260. This is Fizz Radio. I'm Jonathan Hoppe. He's Gil Gross, getting you set for exhibition number one. D2 Damon's in the house tonight. From just outside of Buffalo, Damon is a team that Syracuse should beat. So we get a good look tonight at some of these young players, at least we would hope. I mean, for me, Gil, that's the whole reason to even tune into this game is to find out what someone like Quincy Garrier brings to the table.
0: It's purely evaluative. There's nothing. There's nothing to do with the result that you watch a game like this for. In the past, I mean, generally, this has been a game where Syracuse blocks like 15 shots. I mean, just the height difference alone is a problem for uh, for a lot of the D2 teams that Syracuse has been playing exhibitions against.
1: Right. Their biggest guy is six foot nine, which is a decent height. But when you look at a guy like Barama Sidibe, who is just slightly taller, and their biggest guy might be 6'7". I mean, that that's going to be a problem again today. We also get our first look at Elijah Hughes, who's in the leading role this year after Howard Brissett and uh, Battle are gone. So what do we get from him? Because he's got a much bigger load, and he'll really be the only guy that plays basically the entire game.
0: It'll be interesting for Hughes. He definitely has the skills— ...as a scorer to be the number one option. I mean, he has a great jumper. He's silky smooth finishing at the rim. He's got moves. He's got a handle. He's got everything. Here's the only thing that we didn't see. He didn't score as much of an isolation primary ball handler kind of threat. He was much more of a secondary piece wing player... ...who needed to be kind of set up for a catch-and-shoot three or a catch-and-drive... It wasn't as much like a Tyus battle who you could give the ball at the end of the shot clock, and he can break down the defense.
1: I think he'll be ready for that. I think it was really just that was the situation he was in last year. So let's kind of go through the starting lineup. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you disagree. But okay. how I see it, Jalen carries the one, Buddy Bayheim starting shooting guard, at wings, you've got Elijah Hughes, Quincy Garrier, who's really been hyped up. And I will say, this young man from Canada, he's probably the X factor for this year's team.
0: He's physically an NBA body, and he's physically certainly ready for Division One ACC basketball right now, which is very rare for a freshman. So, if he has the skills, where where he doesn't, where he's not an offensive liability. It seems like Gary A. should be a really big contributor, and everyone's comparing him to O'Shea Brissett.
1: That's what Jeff Goodman says. He says he's a first-round pick right now. Has him going 28, I think, to the Brooklyn Nets. I don't even know how you can attempt to project what (laughs) team is going to take him, but he is a late first-round pick right now in the eyes of Goodman. So keep in mind, this is a young man you might only see for one year. But I think he starts, Marek Dolajai off the bench, and then Barama Sidibe as a center, can he stay healthy? I mean, that's the question that everyone is asking because we've seen the glimmers of hope from Sidibe. We've seen him be great.
0: Right at the start. We've right?
1: seen him be great with his back to the basket. He's more offensively gifted than Pascal Chuku ever was and ever would be. Now, can he keep his legs healthy? Can he stay out there for a decent period of time? To me, that's the question because if not, you're looking at a guy like Jesse Edwards, who is going to be pretty raw from what Bayheim said. Same with John bola Those guys aren't really ready to play big minutes. So then you got to throw Marek at the five, which isn't the end of the
0: world. But now you really don't have much size. Sidibe is going to be a key here, and I completely agree with you. It's all about his legs. It's all about his mobility. He had it when he first got to Syracuse. He was a freshman. I think the first half of his freshman year before he hurt his knee, we saw a different Barama eBay And ever since then, it's just like he he doesn't have any hops. He doesn't have any explosiveness. The lateral movement is a little bit iffy. And you're right. He's shown good hands around the rim. He He's way more offensively talented, but he needs his legs under him. And by the way, it's worth noting, Jim Beheim said it's the best he's moved since the beginning of his freshman year.
1: Regardless, this this is gonna be more fun. Right? Yes. The past few seasons just haven't been very fun. Last year was super stale. To me, the most fun we've had watching SU basketball, you've really got to go back a few seasons with Andrew White and John Gillen. The past two years haven't been fun. It's just been stale and one kind of fluky tournament run a couple yep. of years ago. That's where I draw the line for this team. The core didn't mesh. No.
0: The core just did not Sometimes mesh offensively. Sometimes it just doesn't happen, and it right. never
1: happened. It, it, was, it was at times painful to watch. That team a couple of seasons ago with John Gillen, they didn't even make the tournament, but they were more fun to watch, especially <laughs> as they turned things on, but they did lose by 30 to St. John's so <laughs> at home. So it wasn't like they were a great team, but it was at least something with the way Gillen beat Duke and, The couple of shots that Tyus Battle had, specifically at Clemson. You know, there were a lot of good moments.
0: I see what you're saying, but don't you think you are just equating the watch value of offense versus defense? Like, that team couldn't defend a three. John Gillen, Andrew White, Tyler Lydon couldn't defend a three, but they were good on offense. For the last two seasons, Syracuse couldn't score, but they could defend a three. What's more fun to watch? Well, probably scoring. Certainly offense. Right. But but it's it's important to note, you know, the the last the team in the last two years, they were a good defensive team. But offensively, it didn't click. It was on Frank Howard, it was on Tyus Battle, it was on O'Shea Brissett. None of them could distribute the basketball. It was all isolation and it didn't click.
1: That shouldn't be the case this year. They have guys that can shoot threes. They've been bottom of the league in three point shooting. That should change. I mean, Buddy Bayheim is a guy that could light up this entire league. There's no reason that Buddy Bayheim cannot shoot 40% from downtown, which is a big feat in the ACC. That'd be a a big accomplishment for the second-year shooting guard. And keep in mind, too, even he wasn't great. When he started out last year, he was throwing up bricks everywhere. Could have bit multiple houses, right, as they would say? But now he's back for his sophomore year. He's gonna start, he's gonna see major minutes, and I think Jalen Carey will be better than Frank Howard will be there was last year.
0: Well, Buddy Beheim, his success is not gonna rely upon Buddy Beheim, in my opinion. That's gonna be about the offense and the flow of the offense and if they can find him open shots. Buddy Beheim will be absolutely Useless. That won't be much of a problem. He even found open shots
1: last year in a completely stagnant offense.
0: Did he though? He put up numbers, so you know that's a good argument. And I think Buddy Beheim's going to have a big year. I ultimately agree with you, but the concern with this team is the guy you mentioned next. Not a concern because he's not talented. A concern because there's so much weight on his shoulders, and that's Jalen Carey. It's going to be about the point guard whether or not we see a change because if you take the current roster right now and if they play offense like last year's roster played offense it could be even worse they need to develop a flow they need to play inside out they need to move the ball they need to move without the ball that's what we haven't seen and that's going to be up to the quarterback of the offense Jalen Carey to facilitate and Jim Beheim.
1: Carey strikes me as a guy I don't think he's scared of any stage I think he'll come in after sitting back last year and watching and perform at a high level. I also think he'll understand his role a little bit more than Frank did at some times last year and that he is a facilitator, but he can also slash to the basket because to me there's not a ton of guys that can do that. He could be a leader in terms especially in terms of guard play at getting to the hoop.
0: Mentally carries a ten out of ten. He wants the ball, he wants to win. He's fiery. He doesn't mind distributing. I agree with you that that Frank Howard kind of overstepped his bounds sometimes and that Jalen Carey's probably not going to do that, although there there were moments last season where Coach Beheim didn't want him shooting threes, and sometimes he would would launch and get benched. But other than that, Jalen Carey, his main issue was his handle, and that was what kind of held him back. When people pressured Carey, uh, he would sometimes have trouble dealing with the pressure, limiting the turnovers, but also being comfortable enough to not let it consume the offense.
1: There's a lot of depth on this team. There's not a lot of front court depth. It's mainly in the backcourt with Bryson Goodine, Howard Washington. See if those guys can step in. What are you expecting from Joe Girard III? Because for me, I struggle to see him making an immediate impact really at all this season. Just given his size, and we saw the transition with Buddy Beheim. But he's got Joe by pretty much four or five inches. I think that's going to be a factor, especially when you play some of these bigger teams that have wings that can get out. And I get he can step back a few feet, and he'll have to do it even more now with the extended three-point line. Where do you see him this year?
0: I don't see size being the issue. He's a skill guy. He's got a quick release. He's got tons of range. If anything, the issue is going to be how much does this team need perhaps at this stage a low-efficiency scorer in their offense. They probably don't need that. I see Joe Girard, if if everything works out, as someone who can come off the bench with the lesser-skilled players and provide that spark, and I feel like that could be a perfect role for him where he could excel.
1: Syracuse not receiving much love in the preseason polls for ACC, sort of right near the bottom, sort of middle-to-bottom where we maybe expected them. I think this is a team that could maybe sneak up on some people. And we're going to hit a break here and come back and give our season predictions for SU basketball and dive into potential bowl destinations as well. How confident are you that this group can gel quickly?
0: I don't think, I think speed will probably be an issue here. And I think this team is probably going to need time because the core was completely displaced as we've discussed. It's a new point guard, but working Garrier into the offense, working Goodine into the offense. What will his role be? Sidibe is a player who has never really been a large part of the offense. Does he need to take a bigger role? The only thing for certain, Elijah Hughes is in a different role. There's so much going on here that's new that I feel like this is much more of a Jim Bayheim year where he's going to actually need to be a part of this and tinker with things and make adjustments and and play with some things whereas last season he was really out of the picture. It was really up to the guys on the floor. There wasn't really much going on in terms of X's and O's. We knew who the starters were. were. We knew how they had to play, unfortunately. And that was kind of that. Do you agree with me that, that this is more on Bayheim's shoulders this year?
1: Certainly he's going to be more involved. And I think a lot of people are excited about that. To see what the head man has in his 44th season we'll get into this more after the break one final time we'll go to a break and wrap things up on fizz radio right after this on the score 1260 the voice of the central new york sports fan Wrapping things up on this Saturday morning, Jonathan Hoppy back with Gil Gross, Fizz Radio. You can catch us each and every week right here on the Score 1260 from 9 to 10 a.m. So it's prediction time as we assess Syracuse basketball in the upcoming season. Gil, just seemed like, you know, you don't really think this is going to happen quickly, so I imagine you don't think this squad makes the tournament.
0: Mm, no, because I, I actually think it's another bubble year. And I think they can get it done. I expect it to be a 50-50 proposition because I I do think that they have the potential to pick up some big wins, which, unlike the football team, will have an opportunity to do in the ACC. And we've seen that in the past with Syracuse teams when maybe they're not quite there and ready in non-conference play. There's so much opportunity in the conference where, as you know, if, if you just have a winning record in the ACC that's generally an impressive mark on your resume. So I think they just missed the tournament, but I would not be at all surprised if they make it.
1: I'm going Syracuse in the tournament. Now, I've kind of been on this bandwagon early, which maybe for everyone's listening sake is bad news because I was in on the Orange Bowl bandwagon really early. <laughs> but I do think that this is a squad. I just think it's a better team. And I think when you look up and down this roster... There's not a lot of me, so we think right now. And I think that's always good. And you've got Buddy ba- you've got three point shooters, you've got potential physicality on the inside with Garrier and Sidibe. Now that's where I have my biggest concerns because if Sidibe can't stay on the court, this team is in trouble. That's my biggest concern because Marek Dojah is not a true five. He put on 5'10 pounds over the summer. He's still a small dude. He's lanky. You can't match up with some of the bigs in this conference. So I'm saying they're in, but it's going to be close. The, You're right. And it also, let's keep in mind, this could get really bad. It, it could.
0: Oh, there's certainly a, a big range there. There's, there. A,
1: there's a range, okay? And there's a downside for this team if a couple of things don't go their way.
0: Yeah, with Sidibe, remember Jesse Edwards – There's also a possibility that he could be a gem. 6'11", IMG Academy, supposedly pretty offensively talented. Doesn't seem
1: like Jim is too optimistic about that. That's
0: true. I just wanted to kind of throw that out there because I feel like that is in the the realm of
1: possibility. Because Barama's not going to be playing anywhere close to 40 minutes a game. No, he can't. So they'll need other play, which is why I think Moret comes off the bench because you'll need him to play some five. You yeah. really will. And then yeah. you'll need Jesse Edwards or John Bola Jock to figure it out.
0: I ultimately agree with you. This should be a better team. But I'm not so high on Jim Beheim as this offensive you know, genius where I don't think that he's just going to pull this together as as fluently and as easily as we might hope.
1: Well, it's funny you say that because in his 44th year, he's got a lot to prove which is crazy to think, it is, but this is a team that needs coaching more than ever. So we're going to find out exactly what this coaching staff has with this group of young players that they've recruited, and I think Jim Boeheim will be excited about it. I think he's going to be excited to get out on the court, coach these guys up, and put out a different kind of product. I mean, we could see some man-to-man. I mean, we just don't know. We're going to see pacing. You know, is space and pace a term that's going to be used? I don't think so. That's like full on NBA for a team that usually doesn't play that way. But who knows? That's what's so exciting about this team. All right, quickly before we get out of here, let's move on to football. Do you think it's a good thing to play in the Shreveport Louisiana Bowl the day after Christmas, to play in Detroit the day after Christmas? Would that be a step in the right direction? It would, right? Two straight years with a bowl game. You'd have to take it. But that's pretty much, if you don't know, that's what would happen if they win six games. It'd be one of those two places. Maybe Annapolis for the Military Bowl. It's going to be near Christmas. It's not going to be the Orange Bowl of Miami.
0: (laughs) Right. Uh, But, no, I do think it's a good thing. I think for the young players to experience that, and there's plenty of them on this team, I think that's a good thing, but you just can't—you can't look at a program that hasn't consistently made bowls and say, "Well, maybe it's not right. worth making." Right, beggars a bowl. can't
1: be choosers. Exactly. I will say though, SU football coming in in the 20s, top 20 in the country preseason. They've been one of the biggest disappointments to not have a conference win as we approach November, and if they don't get it done on Saturday today. That won't happen, and they really will be a major disappointment. They already are, but on the national scene, for sure.
0: Got to respect the range of possibilities when you have a lot of new pieces coming in. The football team blew, blew everyone away last year, and this year it's the other way.
1: Get this, though. SU plays less freshmen on a percentage basis per snap than any ACC team in the country.
0: But where are their freshmen? Quarterback, O-line, very important places.
1: Well, true freshman. I wouldn't exactly call
0: Tommy DeVito a quarterback. Well, that's true. But that let let's let's then address that that maybe first year starter is a better metric right. than freshman.
1: That does it for us here on Fizz Radio. Jonathan Hoppy with Gil Gross. Thanks for joining us. You can find all of our content online at Orange Fizz. Gil thinks Syracuse beats Florida State. I think they lose. And shockingly, we both have Syracuse in the exhibition game over D2 Damon. We'll see you next week. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody.